this is the beginning of the podcast and for the record this is the first ever sponsored edition of the podcast sponsored by Arntz the landscape supplier we have Chris Arntz representing Arntz the landscape supplier on the show today uh we have a multitude of questions from the internet for him to answer that are mostly not relevant to landscape supply and we thank Chris for coming on and we're not exactly sure how this will remotely help his business but we appreciate the support Chris and we got to keep the lights on here because Chad's buying way too many Chinese excavators and has not been able to contribute his portion to keeping the lights on here although I don't think Chad and I have ever contributed any portion <laughs> Thanks to How to Hardscape for keeping this propped up. All right, <laughs> Chris, you have a beef with Chad over the Chinese excavators. Oh, it's no. time to settle this beef now. Go, Chris. I do. I do have a beef. Uh-oh. Let's yes. hear it. Out with it now. This should be well, good. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back a few weeks now. A, uh, a good friend of mine that I talk to on a fairly regular basis called me up and said, hey, I'm looking at these Chinese excavators on the auction. I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, they're like super cheap. So it piqued my interest. <laughs> I started looking into it, and we determined that like a Chinese excavator is potentially worth like $20,000. Wow. And a Bobcat excavator is worth, I don't know, what are they worth, $40,000, $50,000? comparable like i would say uh, 35 to 40 yeah, yeah that's 35 fair. to 40 that's fair and there was an opportunity that we might be able to get one of these <laughs> chinese excavators for as cheap as in our minds like five hundred dollars so five hundred dollars <laughs> well that's what My we thought in goodness. our mind you know we had we had uh maybe high hopes dreams <laughs> See, Mike turned me on to these excavators. Well, he turned me on right. to these excavators. <laughs> <laughs> the Ooh, Mike, from, is... Mike from How to Hardscape is in no, the no, excavators? The, the, pa oh. the paper king himself turned me oh. on to these excavators. <laughs> See, yeah. my problem, Chad, is that I was not in control of my own Richie Brothers account because I don't have a Richie Brothers account. So, oh. so mistake number one was brokering out my Chinese excavator <laughs> purchasing to paver king <laughs> that was mistake number one that's smarter than you already <laughs> he took it out of my hands and put it all in his own <laughs> the uh. one good thing about outsourcing the chinese excavator purchase was it did set a hard cap because we had a discussion about how much we were willing to pay for the chinese excavators and i believe what did we settle on i think we settled on three thousand dollars yeah, wow. and then I boosted it to I boosted it to five because I knew you were good for it. I know. Well, see, <laughs> at least the broker was looking out for me. But <laughs> even at five grand, it turned out that uh, you know we weren't very successful in purchasing a Chinese excavator, which was very disappointing because there was two very very important reasons why I needed this Chinese excavator, Chad. So I'm hoping that my story will appeal. <laughs> to you in this moment 
In Chad's defense, uh, you can it, still buy them. You, Chad has a stock of them. them. So I got well, we'll, <laughs> them left. I think I think Chad needs to hear my reasoning as to why I need a Chinese excavator, and then we can get into the negotiations. Okay. So let's go. Reason number one that I needed a Chinese excavator was I have a trailer up north and I have two kids and they're five and seven years old and (laughs) them and their friends up north have these awesome little electric dirt bikes. And so when Mike told me about these Chinese excavators, I thought, you know, this would be the perfect machine for me to just putter around on up north on the weekends at the trailer and I immediately had a vision in my mind of building my kids and their friends a amazing dirt bike trail for their electric dirt bikes. <laughs> okay. So it's really all about the children here, Chad. You so, know, well, it, that could go two ways. It's either going to take you a really long time to build this dirt track <laughs> with this tiny Chinese excavator, <laughs> or I don't know what other way. Yeah, but these, these are tiny dirt bikes. Yeah, they're also electric, right? So one lap they're around, they probably need a charge. Well, you can get three or four laps. <laughs> three or four laps. Um, yeah. Chad has multiple colors now, Chris. What color do you want? Yeah, I've got a yellow and <laughs> I'm orange. I'm not picky. I'm not picky about color. So, I'd take any color. The guy who came to look at them this week, actually. So we sold one right off the hop. Did you get full six. pop? Yes, I did. Really? Full, full pop. Yeah, you hold you held strong, even though you had four more strong. incoming. Five more incoming. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. Four more. Four incoming. more incoming. One in the slot. I held strong. You two, yeah, held uh, nice. I respect that. I respect that he, move. So he pulled into the yard with his F one fifty tremor, um, <laughs> this shitty little landscape trailer on the back, and um, so he's looking around at the shovels. I said, "You want to try them out?" He's like, "No, no, it's okay." I don't want up. to try them out. He, yeah, he didn't want to dig a hole. He just like he rode it around in a circle. Um, he uh, he was looking at them. One had a cup holder, obviously, and the other one had armrests. Um, and he's looking back and forth, and he wasn't sure which one. One was a brighter yellow than the other one. Uh, his wife yells at him from the inside of the car. She's like, "That one's got a ding on the roof," and. Uh, so he's looking around some more. He ends up he took the one with the ding on the roof, but it took him a good twenty minutes to decide which you, shovel he wanted. Did you tell him that um, NDL had the same option plan as BMW, and if he wanted heated seats, he had to sign on <laughs> yeah, to the monthly right. plan, and you so, would uh, operate them remotely from the monthly plan. There's did your he recurring just... revenue. That's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the play. It. That's it. I no, I'm, I'm not that much of a salesman. I was just no. happy to get the bank draft, and I didn't even help the guy load it. I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> <It was crazy. laughs> I gotta get to the. It was Friday, six thirty at night. Like, oh, so it was uh, after hours. What kind of service after can hours, you expect yeah. after so hours? So you met a random guy after hours by oh, yourself yeah. at the shop. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wouldn't be the first. Time. Corn Cornwall's I, a different place. I sold a bobcat at probably ten o'clock at night once. And my worker who was living on site at the yard texted me. He's like, someone's stealing a bobcat right now. <laughs> like, don't there's worry, a, it's me. I sold it. There's a hot topic of conversation that has nothing to do with Arnts. <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> Jordan from DPR 
got his uh, Bobcat stolen. Uh, oh. Right out of the parking lot on uh, Sunday Kubota. night. Kubota. Kubota with a 10-foot yeah. plow. They came in with a 2011 Yukon and a 3.5-ton flat trailer. And so I was talking to Jordan before, obviously, before we came on here. And uh, he actually has video from a fa- – there's a Facebook page apparently called Overloaded. And it's videos from all over North America of overloaded vehicles. I'm sure, Chris, you could make some and post some leaving your yard on the homeowner days. Oh, yeah. um, I've, I've probably been on that website. You probably have. <laughs> you do, <laughs> probably. So maybe. <laughs> awesome. So from everybody sharing uh, the videos on Instagram, someone messaged Jordan and said, hey, your skid steer is featured on the overloaded Facebook page right now. So he went to the overloaded Facebook page and uh, found the video and found the person who created the video and messaged him. And he said, yeah, I shot that video right in front of the police station in Bowmanville. (laughs) (laughs) It's headed my way. Jordan called the police and said, hey, you guys probably have cameras that face the road at the police station. Do you have a video of my my skits here and they basically told him to bounce and they had more important things to do and that was the end of it so fucked up they don't give a shit that his hundred thousand dollars yeah his hundred thousand dollar skid steer is missing and he's the one that's collected all the evidence all the video like he's anyways it's did he have a gps on it no he didn't so we just spent a system yeah we spent a couple grand today actually to get a whole bunch of gps tags and someone's going to come down and put them on everything so, so uh, apparently the easy method is to get an air tag from Apple and just throw. Yeah, it we used to have those. Them. They all died. Oh, like, did they? You got to replace them every year. I checked today. Actually, the, we had one in the loader and it was dead. And yeah. so everything hasn't moved since January. So, so we're using actual Apple air tags or just yeah, we were we just throw, throw them in the cup holder or whatever, throw them under the floor mat or whatever. But now we're getting them hardwired in. Hardwired in. Yeah. yeah. So. So, Chris, none of this has helped your business. No. <laughs> Are we done with the Chinese get... excavator thing? Or, or no, like, I, I only got still... to... I still have more... <laughs> There's more to this story. Okay. Oh. So, the first part is, Chad, I need the excavator for my children. <laughs> the second part to the story is, you know, as somebody who's in the landscape supply business, I spend all my time around equipment, and most of my friends are either landscape suppliers or landscapers. And it's a little bit of a point of embarrassment for me that I'm basically the worst and most incompetent equipment operator out of everybody I know Hmm. to the point that people generally won't let me anywhere near their equipment Uh, on the off (laughs) chance. I find myself on a landscape job site. I usually end up being the person at the shovel who's digging by hand next to the machine. (laughs) because people don't want me in their piece of equipment. So I, you know, at the chance of being able to acquire one of these Chinese excavators and use it for practice on my kid's dirt bike trail, I thought, you know what, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to come home at the end of the summer and I'm going to shock and surprise all of my friends with my newfound skills as an equipment operator. And, uh, you know, but... And you had to go and outbid us, and I now so we're here. In my defense, I can't even operate this excavator. 
it's the opposite control pattern of what I use. So like I am an operator. I like to think of myself as an operator sometimes, but I can't operate this shovel. Like Maybe it's there's hope for me then. Maybe yeah. this the pattern on this shovel is it's a perfectly designed to cat suit controls, my skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Or you, you or you would learn those those controls and then go to show off and they would be the opposite controls. <laughs> 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 well, I can use an excavator, but only my own excavator. I bring it with me everywhere I go. If the excavator isn't produced in China and it's worth more than uh, twelve grand, they usually have a um, switch that shifts them. So you would be in in luck if it wasn't one of yeah. these Chinese. You would know oh, how to good. run the Chinese ones, and then the other ones change over. So you'd be in See, good shape. You would I be didn't in know that. Fair shape. You learn something. See, I just learned something from this podcast. Well, you'd be the first person. <laughs> Don't tell Caleb. <laughs> you'd be um, the first person ever. So, yeah. how many excavators do you have left, Chad? I've got five left. All right, five left. So, um, after hearing my story, you know, if I was but, to make you an offer, would you consider my <laughs> offer? Well, not if it's five hundred dollars, like you wanted to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see if you should have made this offer before I picked them up from Mike's yard. I thought about it. I saw them at Mike's yard, and then I waited too long, and then the opportunity passed. A... But I have a new offer for you. Uh oh, full pin retail. <laughs> so what's full pin retail? Um, I think it's is it ten grand American? Whenever you search them online, I think uh, mine are going for eleven and a half. Okay, plus HST. eleven and a half Canadian. Okay, yeah. So, eleven and a half K plus HST. So my proposal would be, I will pay the HST up front as a deposit, and I will pay the freight, but I'm going to need some financing. So, oh my goodness, the owner my, of Arts needs financing. Well, from my <laughs> you know recent uh, market analysis. I've come to believe that the optimum financing terms is 150 months <laughs> at 6% interest. Yeah, so. that's uh, that's what I've been hearing too. I think uh, we're pretty solid at those rates. Yeah, I think that's the going rate. You know, if, uh, if you're going to purchase something, you might as well finance it over 150 months at 6% interest. So 12 years is the new five-year term. Oh, 12 and a half. 12 and a half years. Well, 12... the... The other thing is if the Chinese excavator lasts 12 and a half years, you know, my kids will be graduated high school by then. So <laughs> if they decide they wanted to get into the landscaping business, I'd be able to gift them the Chinese excavator. Start them off on the right foot with an heirloom excavator. With that an heirloom point. excavator. That, that's heirloom. fully paid off. <laughs> that's fully paid off. Fully paid no off, favorites. baby. 12 and a half years. When you graduate from grade 12, We'll almost own this excavator, son. <laughs> but we'll only have 10 payments. We'll only have 11 payments. We'll have made 139 payments on this baby. We'll be so close. But have have you looked into what the cost of borrowing is then over the term? Uh, I can tell you because I have that's... a time value of money calculator on my phone. Wow. Time value of money. See, that's not the kind of thing we normally have on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even know where to get that. $11,500 present value, 6% rate, 150 months. 
that gives you a payment of $109.16. So, $109.16 times 150, $16,374 minus right. your $11,500. So it's, it's, it's almost, you stand to make, Chad, listen to this, an extra $4,874 off the life of this deal. If we're at 2% so, inflation a year, though. Ooh. I don't. Yeah, Chad, who we, says he doesn't know his numbers, is starting yeah. to calculate inflation. <laughs> I think there's been a bit of a sham going on like, here. Also, when, when was the last time inflation was 2%? Anytime before COVID. Yeah. Right. Feels like so, a millennia ago. Yeah. Yeah. So but, my recommendation here, Chad, is going to be to. Uh, if you're going to do this deal is to get a credit card. You know how like all these guys are like, you got to, you got to put it <laughs> on a card. Get a card. You got to get a card. Yeah. So get a card and then just charge this card $109 <laughs> a month for the next 12 and 150 months. And you're yeah. in the good on four grand. That's yeah. a long-term investment for NDL. Why I like that? it too. I love that I, idea. Yeah. I always say, I don't know. I don't know what I should do for an investment to make a constant profit for NDL. Well, this right. is a, get yeah. it on it. First of all, you can if, you can start to break into the market of root density and different stuff. You you can almost be able to take on Rogers because people would start to think you're a lawn care guy. <laughs> well, the excavators actually sound a lot like a lawnmower when they're running with that <laughs> gas motor, right? Mm. Like it's very comparable to a. Uh, what you do know, you think? I think we could extrapolate this further. I'm just like brainstorming here. So, Chad, you got five excavators. Yeah. You know, you've already got a potential financing client lined up here on the podcast, me. So what if you did this same deal with four other customers and you, you, you know, did a financing deal on all five excavators? We're talking about like $550 of recurring monthly revenue for the yeah. next 12 and a half years. And then I'd call that other guy back, give him a refund, and finance that one too. <laughs> I'm a, I'm already looking out at the next auction. I'm gonna buy some more of these bad boys. <laughs> like, what could possibly go wrong? I don't think there's any downside to this business. I, I need model. some collateral though, if I'm gonna sell. You could, the machine the machine is the collateral. Yeah, you can always come and repossess. Nobody it. wants a used excav Chinese excavator back after two years. How do you know? I don't. I don't. <laughs> just, well, this guy saying, doesn't like, want a used Chinese excavator. You don't. say I don't want. I think yeah. I. I personally love your fascination with the Chinese excavators. <laughs> I think there's. You know how we debate that there are people who only own a landscape business to generate content for their social media. We have that conversation a lot. Yeah. I feel like Chad has reached a point where he only owns Chinese excavators to gen generate content <laughs> for his social media. I think that that's, he's yeah. like, you're buying them four at a time going, oh, yeah. look at that. Just people are fascinated by them. I think that They're, you're only buying them to uh, generate content. If you had seen the amount of tire kickers that are knocking down my Facebook marketplace, then you'd really? say, hey, there might be a business opportunity here. Yeah, I'm not doing it for for nothing. I don't want 
five Chinese excavators sitting at my yard. Do you want any to, Chinese excavators sitting at your yard? No, actually, I might bring them to a, a retailer in town and just have them sit there like a brickyard from our city. Hey, Chris, you want to sell one of Chad's there. Chinese excavators out front of ours? <laughs> Sure. I bet you would. I bet you could sell it. Oh, we just well, we should we should put it on as see as talked about on the not our finest hour podcast. <laughs> Chinese excavators for sale at Arms. And if not, Under, you could charge people to take a picture with them out front. I'm sure. I'm take sure a picture. <laughs> we'll get a Chad cardboard cutout. Yeah. Sit it inside the excavator. I think potentially, potentially you're extrapolating that we're more popular than you would think. Oh, Chad, eventually you're going to have uh, like five separate streams of income from these excavators. Wow. I'd like to, to hope so. It's a, it's what, a dream, right? My landscaper's dream. What color are the new ones? Uh, three orange and one yellow. So on the orange ones, you should just get some Kubota stickers made up and just leave the U off or something. <laughs> Kabot and, <laughs> and and then stick it on the orange ones and just there you go. It's a new brand. New, new brand. brand. Call yeah. them the Daewoos, Hitachis. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of ways you could spin this. Yeah. So do fan. They're a, do you think orange. the guy was happy with his Chinese excavator? He was smiling as he was loading that thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think uh then he said, send me the invoice as soon as you get home. And I sent it to him the next day. But Well, he doesn't know you didn't, if you went home or not. You're right. But so there's no proof you went home. No, I get fucked off right there, right to the bank. Cash is bank draft. Cash is but, bank uh, draft. Um, I might get in a little bit of hot water for this, but the only people, it seems, who want the Chinese excavators are French. Everyone who has messaged me about the Chinese excavators have been French. Well, you do I don't know French. Close to the border. Yeah, yeah, it's all been Quebec side, right? Like within an hour away or something like Can that. Can you transport a Chinese excavator into province legally? Um, probably, but I'm not, right? They're coming to me to pick these things up. I'm not delivered. Would you deliver one? Um... I don't. Maybe not in Quebec. Definitely not in Quebec. No. I take it in Ontario. Mine for me. Yeah, you're in Ontario. Yeah. But so Mike may have a float move to do for me sometime in the next few weeks. He could drop off one larger excavator and bring back one tiny Chinese excavator. I I think having Darian Darian bring back a Chinese excavator on the thirty ton float (laughs) would be about the best thing ever. Just we'll make sure it's settled right over the axles so that nothing <laughs> happens to it. Like, that's the kind of thing that would go down the highway and people would make videos of how ridiculous it looks. What you're gonna send the, the 30 ton float out here? Holy cow. Yeah. Well, the other one has a crack in the frame and needs to be welded, oh. but shoot. Yeah, send, send the safe one. Just in case I gotta use that. <laughs> I'll be quiet about it. But you know what no, this it's... could lead to? This could lead to a new a new uh Instagram page of Underloaded trucks on the highway. <laughs> Underloaded trucks. On the <laughs> Underloaded trucks. Uh, I do find that pretty amazing, though, that some guy posted a video on a random Facebook page and it still got back to Jordan just because everyone was sharing that for him. Like that the power whole of social media. That whole thing with him has me 
doing a deep dive into what would happen if our machines got stolen because I feel horrible for him. His season's starting. The police are not helping him or they're accusing him of stealing the machine himself, which he's like, that's not helpful to me, dude. I'm starting my season on Monday. I have no machine. Like, <laughs> I don't, this isn't like I can't make my Malibu payments. So I'm going to ride the bus <laughs> with a fucking skid steer. Like I feel horrible for, I just seem like I didn't, you know, you see the machine stolen all the time and I always share it whenever I can, but you don't realize the actual. And so like, I mean, I know it affects people's lives. I understand, but this is like my friend who is getting fucked over, who worked hard to buy this machine and has a lot of money invested in it and down payments and payments. And now he's getting the, not getting the, well, the, the police have zero interest in looking for it um, or helping him, but it just, it's frustrating that, you know, all of us in the community have, hundreds of thousands of dollars around and uh no one wants the they, they don't take seriously when this stuff goes missing it just seems like it's a yeah a horrible it's, situation i'm definitely looking into my insurance to see what's actually covered on my end now what's uh yeah what does his insurance say about it like are they ready to cut him a check or no it's no. going to be some rigmarole thing investigation yeah hopefully they'll cover a rental for him um mm-hmm. you know if not, I told him he can come get my machine from the yard. We're not using it for anything next week. So at least he's covered for a bit. So, but it's like, I don't know. It just see, I, it, you don't realize how, like, it's sort of like a smack in the face to how exposed maybe my business is yeah. to something going missing or getting stolen and how hard is it to replace and what am I really covered for? And it's like this whole reality check. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, it just, it's a, um, so it's a horrible situation for anyone that that happens to, I guess, you know, it, um, yeah. That's I mean, scary. We, we have kill switches in our, um, in our, uh, bobcats that are hidden. So like you, it, you know, the theory being, if someone gets in it to steal it and they can't start it, they're probably gonna, but we didn't have one in the buggy. So Brad was at the yard today, endlessly repairing the hook trucks like he always is. Um, and, uh, the first thing he did after he fixed the hook truck, he uh, he put a kill switch in the buggy before it goes out again this year. Just because I'm like, man, like I don't even know what's gonna. I don't I don't know what to do. Like it, you don't even know what to do. Like and it's he, in some ways it it happened to Jordan. At least he wasn't in the midst of a job or in the midst of a season. It's horrible. But then you extrapolate it three weeks from now. You're in the middle of getting a job done. You're in the middle of your season, and now your machine's gone too. Like it's it just it's a at least he has an opportunity to try and salvage something this week so that he can go into next week with some kind of a plan. But if you showed up on a job site on a Monday morning and all your shit's gone, it's uh that's a hard place to be. No, for sure. But I'm guessing the good thing is on most commercial sites now there's like fencing, right? Like legally. So at least there's some kind of intimidation. I'm sure stuff goes missing from commercial sites all the time, regardless of whether there's a fence or not, you know, um, do all your uh, your big trucks have a kill switch like right at the battery that you can lock? Uh, so Cody's has a, a hidden kill switch because we were what was wrong? Uh, anyways, the two bin trucks have kill switches because we were worried about them catching on fire and burning. <laughs> so, like they have kill switches. The big yeah. Christie's and the other one actually don't. We should probably put them on just. Because really? it just sit, there's like our stuff stored on a, a like a, essentially a property where someone lives. So you would hope 
yeah. that if someone was stealing our shit, that they might walk into the house. Like you'd hope. Yeah. I think they would. Not a hundred percent confident, but <laughs> so before you know, I feel like they would. Before I owned the yard, um one of my workers lived there at the time. There's an apartment on at the yard, and we have fuel cans obviously in the back. And some guy uh came up to the fuel cans, pumped their car full of fuel, and then started to take off. And the old man who lived there at the time, who is also the guy who flipped the excavator, who is my 65-year-old part-time guy, came out with his shotgun and shot the top of the car off as the guy was driving away. This was, it had to be like 30 or 40 years ago before, like, well, when you could still do that and not go to jail, I suppose, right? Well, it is Cornwall too. Yeah, yeah. So, I just assu- I assumed the story was from last year. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was no, thinking. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. You'd be like, in a heck of trouble. If you... I was like, "Wow, Cornwall!" No, blow no, a shotgun no, off. No, this was thirty years ago. I think it was more acceptable thirty years ago. Uh, so. To shoot a shotgun at a car stealing gas in Cornwall? I don't think it's that. Ago, I, I don't. Think... I think I you were allowed to drink and drive thirty years ago. Oh, you know? probably. Like, yeah. I think. Oh, when we when I first started in landscaping, there was guys who lost their license like eight times for drinking and driving. Like, like <laughs> oh, I'm, on my, I'm on my I'm on my tenth <laughs> time, and I'm like, whoa. And then people started losing it for long periods. Like that was when, yeah. If you went in and said, "Oh, I'm a commercial driver," they'd be like, "Oh, we feel sorry for you." So we'll give you like it was ridiculous, but. Oh yeah. Like there was a time when you used to be able to plead that that's how I make a living and they would care. They don't care. Uh, no, no, they, they don't, don't care. They don't care anymore at all. They, so they do not. Um, it is not. So Chris. Yo. What is up? I feel like we should discuss Arntz. Uh So <laughs> we, we have a large, we have a, well, we have a large listenership in the Dominican. Um, in the Dominican? Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of people who listen in Dominican. They are rumored to be landscapers that are on vacation, but we don't know. So, uh, is there any pictures? No. You want to see pictures of the landscapers from Dominican? <laughs> there Boy, was. Do Dom- I have a group for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we know we, it happened if there's no pictures? I, there is Dominican listeners. <laughs> what's uh, what's new at Arnst the Landscape Supplier, Chris, this season? What are you guys going to do to bring in more business from the uh, Quinty area? Like, what are you guys doing to do that? Well, number one thing that's happening at Arts this year is there's uh, there's stock again. Products are in stock. Nice. Manufacturers have been hard at work filling up their yards, and uh, pretty much anything you need, it's finally available after the last two years of stuff being backordered or unavailable or having to wait, I'd say that uh, there's a good chance that whatever you need at the start of this year, it's, it's going to be available. So that's good news. Other good news is that uh, natural stone prices are dropping. Huge. Like armor stone prices? No, imported stone. <clears throat> okay. Imported stone. All the international shipping rates have come back down. They're telling me they're back down to pre uh, pre pandemic levels. So all the imported uh, stone that we bring in, mainly from China and India, is all dropped back down in price. How much did it go up during the pandemic? Do you think? 
from March to September of 2021, we saw a 50% increase. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty big. So when you had a 50% increase, then they kind of stayed flat at those levels for 2022. And then basically what happened now is all that increase was due to the shipping. So now that the shipping costs have come back down, they took that 50% uh, increase off, which means that prices have dropped about 33%. Um, but then they came back and said, well, you know, we increased it 50% to cover the shipping. Now we've dropped it, you know, taking the 50% off, which is a 33% drop to bring it back down to the price it was before. But then that means that we technically haven't raised the price of the material in two years. So then they brought on a small product increase of five to 10%, but you're still looking at like 20, 25% savings on imported natural stone over last year. So it's pretty significant. That's a big change. Yep. So all the people who got screwed on their contracts when they were underbid the natural stone and it went up, have an opportunity to hold the high price of natural stone they have in their current contracts and make back some of the money they lost the last two years. I think, I think they potentially have that opportunity. Yeah. Like if you've already sold a job and you've already given the customer a price in the fall or this winter and the job's already sold and the, customer was happy with the price that you gave them and now you buy the material cheaper i guess it's up to you mm -hmm. what you do with that with that savings but you know if you had other jobs where you you ate the cost increase to keep the customer happy and in this case you can keep your customer happy and make the extra money then yeah i think it all comes out in the wash hmm. well i think a lot I of people took a hit on natural stone i don't remember the last time i used natural stone I use this so for all my this conversation. Yeah. I got screwed. Basically, this conversation has no value to Chad. So we're, <laughs> we're achieving our goal. I, actually, thinking back, the last time I used natural stone, it came in the wrong sizes and the wrong color, and the client was trying to dye it. And we've talked about that before, oh, I think. Wow. <laughs> like, you just so wanted to. Yeah. How hard do you think you got hit, Mike? Because you use a lot of natural stone. Uh, it was just one project that I kind of got hit on, but it wasn't that much. It was probably about maybe close to about 1500 uh, that I got hit. But then now uh, I need to order some more caps for a project to finish up from last year. So that should save me actually a little bit because I quoted that one from last year's prices. So there you go. Maybe I'll make I'll break even on that. You'll break even on the difference. On the difference, yeah. That's the goal of every business is to break <laughs> even. Maybe. At least on this podcast. Chris, I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, if you if you have like new new landscapers always show up like at the beginning of each year, right? Uh, yep. Do you ever have landscapers come in and want to like they're new uh, to the area, they're new to the industry, they want to start their business and they come to you and just want to start like a relationship and just want to meet with you. Um, what do you tell them or what does that conversation kind of look like or does it even happen? Or uh, yeah, just a question there for you. Yeah, so I think the number one thing is if someone comes in and says that they're a contractor and they're 
either starting a business in Durham region or they're an existing contractor business in Durham region is we have like a, a contractor trade application form that they can fill out to basically get set up as a trade customer, right? Because in our business, we have a like a contractor trade price list for, you know, business to business sales. And then we have our uh, prices for the general public. So we want to get, you know, people that are running businesses onto that trade pricing program. And then we can, you know, walk them through all the products and services that we offer. Uh, we generally have a price book and like a price guide that we give them. Although last year we couldn't even print the guide because prices were changing so frequently we could never cobble together a an entire book. So we had to kind of piecemeal different PDFs together and they were constantly changing. So it was kind of only semi-productive, but uh, yeah, just basically outline all the, uh, all the programs that we offer kind of how our, our rebate program works for contractors. Um, and then, yeah, kind of go from there. So you'd entertain like a discussion if somebody reached out to you to be like, Hey, I just want to like meet and start a, like a relationship, get to know you a little bit and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever turned anyone away? Be like, no, I know you do dog shit work. Like we're not opening this can. Uh, so we're in our position. We don't really vet the quality of the work that our customers are doing. It's yeah. not really something that's possible. What do you, do. what it's, do you think? Uh, how much do you think your sales would go down if you did vet the work and care about the quality of the work that everyone oh who bought products from you was doing? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. <laughs> that's no not idea. our finest hour question. No. That's, not our, that's an even worse hour question. Yeah, that's an even worse yeah. hour Mike, those questions weren't supposed to come until the second hour. We had this um, this hardscaper, landscaper in town who was uh, banned from shopping at a certain retailer because he yelled at the driver and made them cry. At one point, have you ever done anything like that? Oh, we've we've had to. I wouldn't say "ban" is the right word, but we have had uh, customers that we've asked them not to come back. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And it it the number one reason would be health and safety uh, violations or a a respect or uh, like violence that kind really? of thing. Yeah, we don't tolerate any of that. So, mistreatment be, of the staff. Mistreatment of staff. Yep, that's literally the only thing that you could do to get banned from arts. Hmm. Does anybody ever try to come back after they've been banned? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the they result. Try to- Try to sneak in in a different colored truck, <laughs> a mustache. <laughs> they, they just put on one of those. Well, the they thing just, is, is they just we, change the magnetic decals. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we would ban people for like a safety issue or a health issue, um, but we also like we're not here to be the police or penalize people. So we've had people that we've said, "Okay, look, like you were, you know." Uh, verbally abusive to our staff. You know, maybe they, they did it once, they got a warning, then they were verbally abusive again. So we've said, hey, look, like 
we can't tolerate this. Like we're, it's completely unacceptable. We don't want people on our property treating people that way. So you're no longer allowed on our property, but then like if they wanted or needed materials from us in the future, you know, they've asked if they could send somebody else in on their behalf to purchase for them. And we've said, yeah, that's fine. As long as the person that you're sending on your behalf is not, you know, verbally abusive to our staff. Um, I, I assume like you guys sell bulk material like gravel and riverstone and all that yep. stuff. So yep. how many times in a season does a homeowner or someone with an ill-equipped trailer come to the yard and ask to be loaded and ends up blowing out their tires or their axle or something like that? Is that... That happens fairly often in my city. Uh, like, yeah, I would it say happen? it used to happen more often. I would say it's happening less. A couple things is it's happening less because uh, over time, more and more of our clientele is contractors. And as a percentage right. of our business, we're getting less people, you know, wanting to come in and, you know, pick up that yard of material themselves. Also, there's been a, a huge increase over the years in the uh, customers like gravitating towards buying things in, you know, 25 to 50 pound bags. Oh yeah. Super sacks or no, or, even or, like, yeah, just as, like the small bags, yeah. right? Like instead of buying half a yard or one yard, like people will come and make multiple trips and just buy it in 25 or 50 pound bags. Um, yep. Or people want the sacks, and if they want the sacks, they generally get them delivered. Delivered, yeah. Yeah. And if somebody comes in and it's like very clear and obvious to us and our loader operators that their their uh, you know vehicle can't support the weight that they want, then we just simply won't load them. Yeah, that's smart. They don't do that back here. They'll they'll load them right up, yeah, and send them on their way. Sometimes you they don't make do it that. to the road. You can't yeah, you can't do that in 2023 in Durham region. Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe like 2043 2043 Cornwall. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're we're quite a quite a bit behind, but yeah, they'll load them up any day. So, on an average day, how many square feet of product? in total is available at Arnst the landscape supplier. How many square feet of product? Like, uh, yeah, like of, of pavers, slabs, like just on an average day. Like I go there all the time. I see all the huge piles, but I'm just, you must have some idea. Is it a million square feet of product available? Is it 2 million? Like what's the, the stock level of Arnst the landscape supplier going into the season right now? What do you, how oh. many, how many square feet do you think you have on hand? It's high. It's very high. It's not. I would say it's definitely over a million. It it would actually it would it would be multiple millions, especially if we're including like natural stone, like square feet of natural stone pavers. Yeah. If you're if you're converting, are we converting retaining walls to square feet here too? Uh, sure. Yeah, many many millions. I can tell you. So off the top of my head, I think an interesting fact would be a single skew, like like one single specific paving stone product in a specific paving stone color with a specific paving stone texture, the most that we would have of one product would be about uh, 50,000 square feet. So about 500 mm -hmm. bundles. And I have a question it. from that. Oh, okay. Yep. 
Okay, what, what's the percentage of sales between concrete versus natural stone? Concrete versus natural stone. And then if you've seen a trend over the years going more towards one or the other. Yeah, I would say up until two years ago, up until before the pandemic, we had a few years that uh, natural stone sales, especially in terms of dollars, was increasing faster than concrete sales. Um, that being said, concrete is the by far and away the winner of this contest, right? So I'd say the the pavers outsell the natural stone probably three or four to one. So we had a couple of years leading up to the pandemic that natural stone sales were, you know, gaining a little bit of ground on concrete products uh, and natural stone products are generally a little bit more expensive. So if people are switching from pavers to natural stone, a lot of times they were upgrading their price point. So, you know, once you have a few conversions, it really helps boost the dollar sales of, of natural stone. Um, the last two years during the pandemic with all the, the product shortages and the huge surge in demand, uh, I would say from our perspective that demand was filled more with concrete pavers. Gotcha. So we saw the concrete pavers really, really shoot up. So I don't know, like some of our, Manufacturers, I know, uh, you know, they were able to adapt very quickly, and some of them went from, you know, running one or two eight-hour shifts a day to running three shifts a day. I know some of our vendor partners were, you know, the owners of the business themselves were in there, like running the night shift, because they basically could like run an entire extra shift. And a concrete paving stone plant makes can make like fifteen thousand square feet in a shift, and that's an extra 15,000 square feet that they could get out the door into the hands of contractors and into, you know, backyard patios. So there was the ability to kind of scale up the production a bit to meet the, uh, meet the demand. And then the other thing that kind of happened was the, with that 50% price increase on natural stone, you know, I think the natural stone kind of priced itself out of a lot of jobs. Like it was just getting so expensive. Like, you know, something that used to be $7 a square foot was now 10, you know, and coping that used to be $20 a square foot was 30, you know, whereas the, we only saw about 10% price increases on concrete. Right. So, you know, we had alternative coping products in concrete that only went up 10%. And, you know, I think maybe a lot of jobs switched over to those products. So then where does porcelain fit all in all that in terms uh, of... I'm very excited about porcelain. I really yeah. like porcelain. Yeah. Is it is it growing? Year, it's growing. It's growing yeah. huge. Up until last year, I I actually classified porcelain in with our natural stone. Oh. Yeah. So just internally and in my mind, like the porcelain was like a subcategory of natural stone. Right. Last year was the first year I literally did an update and made porcelain its own category. Like when we look at our product breakdown, like right. concrete pavers, retaining walls, soils, mulch, gravel, natural stone, porcelain is now its own, uh, its own category. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And then uh, I guess when you oh, go ahead, Chad. So whenever you saw all these companies pumping out um, more than normal amounts of pavers and materials over the past two years 
did you see any notable decrease in um, quality? Uh, intermittently, yes. And those have all been fixed for this year. We're going into 2023. Were there some Are manufacturers there... worse than others? No, we no. I I can honestly across I can say the board. that honestly across the board. You know, I think in a little bit in an effort to just fill the the demand and get product out of the door, like we potentially saw more imperfections. And this is just my take on it, like from my experience and knowledge and dealing with these products. I think that sometimes like producing through the winter under different conditions maybe affected the quality of some of the batches that were coming out. Um, but that's that's just a thought. Gotcha. So like on your end, did that cost you like a ton of money as far as getting materials back to your shop or did they go straight to the the manufacturer? Like how a little did... bit of both. A little bit of both. There's always a like a cost to you know servicing the replacement of product. Yeah. Uh, but all of our manufacturing partners that we deal with, if they had products that they had issues with, like that product ends up going back to them yeah. eventually, either directly or through us. Gotcha. When a manufacturer comes to you for recommendations or uh, feedback of some sort, which in my experience, that was like usually at the beginning of the year or the end of the year when I worked for a supplier, what, uh, what kind of feedback or recommendations do you typically give? Uh, and if you can't give like actual examples, like what are they along the lines of that you're trying to, you know, guide them towards? Uh, it's usually prompted sometimes by, you know, how they phrase their, their questions. Like there are like, they know what colors are selling and not selling, but they might, like be making something that's just like an, an awkward size or the packaging is just not very user friendly. So we'll sometimes make recommendations to them about, uh, about those things. Gotcha. I, I have a question go? about PK, but I was going to wait for him <laughs> to come back. <laughs> uh... Chris, you've known PK as PK, the business owner, PK, the uh, sales rep, PK, the uh, Ridge Lake contractor. The what's, Ridge your, what's, Lake. Your, <laughs> what's your favorite version of PK? My Oh, my favorite version of PK by far is the supplier rep PK. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because really? he had to pay for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Was he happier as a sales rep? No, no. Or was he no. more, more <laughs> no, miserable? He was, not. Like, he was. Did he have his famous cookouts at Arts? His uh, like donut burgers or his? Uh, did you get in on any of the pickled egg giveaways? Uh no. But uh, there's been a a hole at Arts ever since PK left his uh, corporate gig. Oh. There's been a, a severe shortage of uh pepperonis <laughs> so did he make you more money as a rep or cost you more money when he was a rep because well, like i don't <laughs> imagine because from what i know he's a trucking guy now right so yeah. i mean 
in the past he may have been a high roller when it comes to interlock work, but yeah. I I don't know. How to I would say that. I would say he made he made money for the company he worked for. Oh, uh, he definitely did. Company man. Yeah. Well, he was just he was good at his job, and he had uh, relationships with a lot of contractors. And while he was doing the job, he you know worked hard to form relationships with new contractors and people generally liked them. So they said, Hey, I want to buy this company's product because they have a good sales yeah. rep and he's providing me with good service. So I want to support that person. Right. When did, did you, you tear first... into him? <laughs> Whenever that, that whole laminated Ooh. system came out. Oh yeah. Did you have that was words all, that with was, him or it, have you always been pretty Well, simple? it was all, it was all his fault. <laughs> right? like there's nobody there is nobody to blame except paper king himself as he walks right back in yeah <laughs> why are you talking about me oh yeah we just it was all just part found of, out you know, it was all it was part of his fault. master plan was it yeah. yeah what did i do well that... you went you went into the corporate world you convinced oh my god uh, you went you convinced how did this become a topic in the four <laughs> minutes i was gone okay you Whatever. went into the corporate okay. world you convinced your uh corporate overlords to release uh products that would delaminate on their clients and then you promptly quit the corporate gig and started your own company getting paid to replace the delaminated <laughs> products <laughs> So you know, this become a topic in hindsight, all these years later, it's very clear that there was a a master puppeteer behind the scenes. The paper is this, so, is this sort of like scenes. is this sort of like how I figured out that if I was using a um, a landscape supplier to dump my fill, that I better be the guy that hauls the fucking fill away as well. Well, there you go. <laughs> See the puppeteer. <laughs> Is that a potential? Like, I know how to play both sides of the card. Is that what you're, how did this come up in conversation? Did they, skid deposits come from PK too? Yeah, oh that God. happened at the same. That <laughs> happened the same year. That Paver King was at the corporate paving stone manufacturer that innovated the skid charge. It all makes sense. Mm. It all comes back to being my fault. <laughs> As a business owner, we've established hey. that it's always our fault. I'm part of the Jocko guruism, and I have extreme ownership over everything that ever happened in the landscape world. <laughs> um, I do have a legit question. I don't know if you guys talked about it when I was gone, but uh, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people this week uh, because I did make a lot of posts on Sunday just regarding my own situation out there selling stuff that I haven't done in a long time. And, uh, so a lot of people have responded to that and they seem to be in the same situation. Like at this time last year, Chris, do you think you had, I know me as a contractor, I probably had 10 orders in with you. Yep. Maybe more. I, it could be right. it, it was probably about 10 that I had with you as a contractor. I know I have two, I have two right now, maybe three. Yeah. Um, do you think that a lot of contractors have dropped down like that or I'm just incompetent and the exception to the rule? No, you're you're basically uh, in the same boat as everybody else. Yeah, I, I I feel like that's the hint I'm getting from everybody too. Is that you know whether collectively as a group or a mass as an industry, uh, we all took our foot off the gas and just put it on cruise, and then 
realized we hit a patch of black ice and now we're just <laughs> getting out of control. Um, or I did talk to um, uh, one contractor this week and uh, I'll give him credit because I thought this was a really good assessment of the situation. Uh, Rob from R. Havry. And uh, he said to me, he felt like this spring was our, our COVID. You know, yeah. like the, like all the restaurants got COVID during COVID and all of us landscapers didn't. And we actually had the opposite effect. He said he felt like maybe this spring was sort of our COVID um, yeah. evening up with us. I, I thought it was a great take on the situation. Like really, yeah. because it, I, yeah. I feel, I, I do feel a little bit like a restaurant owner in 2020 or whenever the, the pandemic was like, I feel like I'm sort of there right now. So I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but, or if that's the same, Chris, like you see that across the board with the, there's always going to be exceptions to every rule. Yeah. I think, um, I think that there's a little bit of uh, like truth to that in terms of like, we feel like there's no work to do. Um, but I feel like it, there's also a bit of a recency <clears throat> bias to it. So up until 2021, like if I went back today's March 28th, if I went back to like March 28th, 2019 or March 28th, 2020, I can confidently tell you that I never even thought to look at how many orders we already had in the queue at Arns for contractors for the spring. And that's because we didn't have any orders <laughs> from contractors for the spring in 2019 and 2020 uh, on March 28th because contractors didn't call us in the winter and place orders for material. We basically waited until the weather turned at some point in April. And then magically all the contractors just showed up and started ordering material. So it was only in 2021 and 2022 because for the first time ever, like contractors were literally calling us the first week of January, second week of January, all through February, March, and, uh, you know, placing orders and saying, hey, I need this product for the spring. You know, I need to make sure I have it. Uh, and some of them were even going as far as, you know, getting product delivered to sites or getting product delivered to their yards in January and February and March the last two years. Um, so it was only because they were doing that that we started actually looking at, you know, how many orders we had. So when we've gone from the last two years of having, you know, lots of orders in the system to now, uh, I think your assessment of, you know, going from 10 jobs in the queue to two is, you know, pretty accurate. I'd say like the orders in our system is maybe 25% what it was last year, but it's also like infinitely more than what we would have had in 2019 or 2020. So if you take a longer term perspective, you know, I think, uh, I think we're all going to be in pretty good shape because I think there's still a shortage of uh, contractors and skilled labor and people that are willing to work hard. And I think once, you know, the weather breaks and people are outside and looking at their properties that there's still going to be people out there that want to uh, get some work done. And so the people that have the skills to do it, I think they'll still find work and have a successful season. Yeah, I've noticed a huge uptick of um, ads because I mean I, I'm obviously have a landscape 
centered Instagram account. So if you decide to push your landscape company in Durham region, it immediately comes to me. So um, <laughs> I've personally uh, noticed a huge uptick of ads in uh, Durham region of, of landscapers looking for work that yeah. way with sponsored posts. Um, Which are like or companies looking for work? Companies. Companies, companies with sponsored posts that are like booking now space yeah, in 2023 oh, yeah. and I, I i have a push post on facebook right <clears throat> now i specifically so, just for you chad pushed it only to cornwall single Where? women no single women <laughs> between the ages of 35 and 65 nice uh, yeah but yeah anyways go ahead mike for for anybody doing that, uh, don't do boosted posts. Go to go to use Facebook ads. Uh, like don't boost your posts on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, there's a way to not show your ads to actual landscape business owners because that's just a waste of money. You can do exclusions on that to reduce the amount of chances that your post actually goes out to landscape business owners. So hmm. utilize that as much as possible if you're doing ads. So I will go and, well, I guess if you wanted to see me on my ad, you'd have to be a owner of a landscape business who is female in Durham region between the ages of 35 and 65. So if there's a lot of those and I'm wasting some money, I'm okay with that. That's fine. I think for the amount of money that would get wasted on <laughs> female landscape business owners between the ages of, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying for people, because I see the same thing. I see more and more sponsored posts and uh, they shouldn't be showing up to those with landscaping businesses. It's easily hmm. avoidable. That maybe that could, Mike, that almost could have been Caleb's corner. I, that, I'll take that as my Caleb's corner because I don't got much. So, okay. So <laughs> everybody, Mike's just going to repeat what he said. And but first, we're going to say that this is Caleb's Corner, in no way associated with the Kid Contractor podcast at all. But this is the one part of this podcast where we try to drop a little value. Yeah, and uh, it's this is uh, Caleb's Corner, and this is Mike's week for Caleb's Corner. So, Mike, bring it down on Facebook ad. <laughs> well, just, well, I I don't want to take the Caleb's Corner away from somebody who's only here for one episode. So perhaps. I should yield my Caleb's corner over to Chris because okay. you know I could I could do Caleb's corner at any point in time. But maybe Chris has a as a piece of value to, that he wants to share. Chris, you are now a part of Caleb's corner. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, who's Caleb? no way, uh well, <laughs> we it's this may or may not be associated with Caleb Almond. Almond from uh Almond Landscape in Beautiful Fairfield County, Ohio, PO Box seven four three two six five seven. It may be a so. It is also not associated anyway with the Kid Contractor podcast, which we would like to think is a competing podcast. But he knows he's so far above us that it's not actually a competition. <laughs> but uh, we, Caleb, claims that uh, periodically we actually offer value here. So whenever we are going to off your value, we uh, we call it Caleb's Corner. So, Chris, we need you to drop any – it could be any kind of valuable piece of advice, and we will call it Caleb's Corner from any point 
Should we buy Bitcoin? Shouldn't we buy Bitcoin? Should we be in the real estate market? Sh can you actually, for Caleb's Corner, because we, we started this conversation, Chris, and it never yes. finished up. But for Caleb's Corner, can you break down why it is actually practical to buy a Lamborghini on a 150-month payment plan? Because you, you told me there was oh. a reason why it was practical. So this Caleb's Corner will be dedicated to why every landscaper should buy a Lamborghini on a 150-month payment plan. Take it away, Chris Arntz. Break down the numbers.